<laughs> I feel the presence of God. Do you feel him? Yes. Yeah. Holy Spirit is here. So glad you guys are here today. Wow. So glad. Um, I'm kind of glad summer holidays are over because everybody takes off. I know there's still quite a few on holidays, but it's better when we're all together to me. So, yeah, thanks for being a part of us and, you know, a part of our church family. Sure appreciate and love every single one of you and pray the blessing of God on you this morning. So, yeah, so everybody's had a good holiday so far. Yeah, amen. Yeah, yeah. All right. A few of us still have a few left yet. So, wow. Just imagine, we're almost into fall time, aren't we? And we kind of feel it, don't we? I think we're entering into a brand new season. And um, I know for sure it's not just a season, um, uh, another time-wise, chronologically, but it's also a a season kairos-wise. I believe that God is up to something. And I can feel it in my spirit. And sometimes I don't, but sometimes I just think, wow, something is about to happen. And... uh, and I'm so glad because I think it's really going to be, it's going to be challenging. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. And I believe that we'll know and we'll see um, more about what God wants to do in the next coming weeks. I'm excited about the fall time. I believe that September is a, going to be a terrifically significant month in this year. So <clears throat> I didn't just say it. I believe that. Holy Spirit is saying it. I believe that many prophets are saying the same thing. All right. And I think you can feel it too. But it's so good to be a part of the house of God. Right? The best place to be in the world. Under. Yeah. In the house of God. Every day. So what's such a blessing. So we're into this series um, called Focus. And um, I just want to welcome those who are watching online. And I hope you were able to get together because our email service was down, so hopefully, you know, you're able to, you know, plug into live stream this morning, but we got a lot of technical difficulties. I think the enemy is kind of working against us and trying to shut down our communication because communication is so vital, such a big part, isn't it? So let's get right into it. We went to our series called Focus. We've extended for another month. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's be a blessing on God's word. Thank you. Jesus, for your word. Your word is truth. It sets us free. I ask you to take this message and I ask you to burn it into our hearts. Holy Spirit, make this word alive. Rhema. Let it be the now word for the season, for the time, for each one of us as individuals. Help us, Holy Spirit, to hear your word, to believe your word, and to put it into practice. For your great blessing and for our benefit, in Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Today my message is entitled, Restoring Your Spiritual Vision. Restoring Your Spiritual Vision. We're going to go into the Old Testament. We're going to go into the book of Isaiah. We're going to look at the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is a major book, 66 chapters on an old in the Old, Old Testament. is a very significant book. Isaiah was the prophet that wrote that book. God spoke to him. Isaiah was a prophet living in a time, in a season, when the people of God had lost their spiritual vision. Lost 
They were a sense of identity of who they were as a people of God living on earth, their sense of purpose on earth. And they, over time, had almost completely turned away from God. Instead of serving him with humility and loving their neighbors, you know, they, they were offering meaningless sacrifices in the temple in Jerusalem, and they were committing all kinds of injustices and, and, and things were, that were not pleasing to God. So God was kind of backing up. And they were finding out that the blessing of God wasn't there anymore, and the land was be, literally becoming a desolate and like a desert. <clears throat> and once a glorious nation, so blessed by God, so blessed by God, and feared by every other nation on earth, so now, instead, God is ready to pronounce judgments against them. So in Isaiah chapter 62, we see how the prophet Isaiah grieves over the desperate condition of Jerusalem, the people of God, the church of the living God. Now, the faded light. And in response, he vows to passionately pray, watch and pray, to set up watchmen on the, the, the walls. And, and he urges his people to pray without ceasing, pray without ceasing, not giving God any rest until he restores Jerusalem and makes her once again the praise of the earth. Isaiah 62, verse 1 and 7. Isaiah cries out. <clears throat> he says, For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet till her vindication shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. The nations will see your vindication and all kings your glory. You will be called by a new name by the mouth of the Lord that the mouth of the Lord will restore. You will be a crown of splendor in the, in the Lord's hand a royal diadem in the hand of your God. No longer will they call you deserted or your land desolate, but you will be called Hebzibah, which means my delight is in her, and, and your land Beulah, which means married. For the Lord will take delight in you, and your land will be married. As a young man marries a young woman, so will your builder marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. This was a call to action. In a time of emergency of situation, a call to wait upon God until he sent release and he restored them back to their ancient position of privilege and power. Then in chapter 63, we come suddenly to this extraordinary vision, this interruption, it, right in the midst of Isaiah's prayer, 
God suddenly gives him this mighty graphic vision. And so here's the prophet. He's in a desperate situation. And he's exhorting, he's urging his people to join him in watching and praying because they have gotten so far away from God. And you know what? God looks down. And he sees that they are weak and in great need. And so he sends them encouragement. And it comes in a form of a vision. Suddenly a vision is given to the prophet. A glimpse of the ultimate. That for two reasons. Number one, Isaiah is given this vision. So that he himself would not falter and faint. That he would just say, man, I just give up God. I am so discouraged. I'm just going to go into hide. I'm just going to shut my mouth up. God gives us this vision to encourage him to keep on prophesying, urging the people, second, to urge the people to press in and to wage spiritual warfare in the heavenly realms. Let me tell you, such a picture of the world today and such a picture of the church today. In the midst of Isaiah's prayer, God suddenly sends him this this vision, this mighty graphic vision, and literally, and he's in this prayer, and he's crying out to God. And suddenly he gets this vision, and he literally cries out, Isaiah 63, who, who is this coming from Eden, from Borza, with his garments stained crimson? Who is this robed in splendor, striding forward in the greatness of his strength? It is I, proclaiming victory, Mighty to save. It's like this conversation is taking place. This conversation between just a finite person and the might and and the almighty God of heaven and earth. And Isaiah asks, Why are your garments red? Like those of one treading the winepress. I have trodden the winepress alone. From the nations, no one was with me. I trampled them in my anger and trod them down in my wrath. Their blood splattered my garments and I stained all my clothing. It was for me the day of vengeance, the year for me to redeem has come. Listen, you see all this darkness? There's a day of vengeance coming. There's a time of redemption. Let me tell you, it's coming. The word of God is telling us it is coming. Is it was for me the day of vengeance, the year for me to redeem had come? I looked, but there was no one to help. I was appalled that no one gave support. So my own arm achieved salvation for me, and my own wrath sustained me. I trampled the nations in my anger, in my wrath. I made them drunk and poured their blood on the ground. Wow, what a powerful vision. What a powerful vision. And it's so typical of God, isn't it? So typical of God. So like God in respect to his people to just break through, just break through with a ray of light, with a ray of hope so that we can face our situation. So no matter what's out there, we're called to face our situation. We are the church of the living God. We're, we're, We're a fortress We're not a fortress to protect ourselves, but we're a force to deal with against the gates of hell. 
Amen? And our tendency, you know, and we're called to face a situation, no matter how dark it gets out, out there, no, more, how, no matter how dreary, how dismal, how weary, how tired we are. See, we have a tendency to faint and to fail. But here, God sends them a vision to behold. Something, someone coming up from Edom, from Borza. And he comes up, and he is marvelous to behold. But this one thing attracts Isaiah in his vision. He sees that his garments, this, this, this mighty warrior, his, his, games, his garments are stained with blood. Obviously, he's been involved in the most bloody of battles, yet he is triumphant, a conqueror. Wow. So, question. So, what's the message for us here today? Let me explain. Edom. Edom is always used. Scriptural typography. Edom is always used in the Bible to signify the powers that that are opposed to God and to God's people. Edom comes from Esau. Remember Esau? The guy who sold his birthright for a measly pot of stew. Remember? Esau. He's a man of worldly values, worldly outlook on life. A man who was opposed to God and opposed to the things of the Spirit. The Edomites. They stand for the enemies of God. The ultimate enemies of God. His glory, his kingdom, and his church. Edom represents the world that hates God's people, the church. And that's why the church is in the fight of her fight for her life today. And it's not the first time she's been in the fight. Edom, you know, Edom, spiritual Edom, is always ready to pounce, always ready to try to destroy God's church. In fact, throughout history, we've seen many times spiritual Edom has been highly successful, and the church seems to have been bound and almost, almost dead. Today, we have to realize that there's a spiritual realm that's happening around us, isn't there? And we have to realize that we face the same Eden, that we face the same Edom, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of hell, the kingdoms of this world. That's Edom. And what does God tell, say? Watch and pray. Watch and pray. And can I say this to you, saints? People of God, there's nothing more important for us to be doing in these days than to have our eyes open and to be watching and praying. We should be like watchmen, praying on the walls, looking at the horizon, looking at what what is coming in the spirit realm. We need to have our eyes open. So in the midst of darkness and despair, This person comes, and yes, who is that? Who is this person? And the first thing thing that strikes the prophet is the glory of this person, the glory. You know what? Another word for it is swagger, swagger. Looks at him, and they could, wow, he's blown away. And and, and he's saying, well, who is this that comes? Who is, who is this? And they stand there amazed at his majesty and his might. Who is he? 
Who is he? He's none other than the almighty son of God. And listen, and he's in our camp. Amen? There is no greater vision for us than to behold him. I didn't hear too many amens. Thank you. In the New Testament, the first picture that the church saw of Jesus was when he went into the temple to check it out. And when he saw what was happening in there, he was upset. He was furious. He was angry against the evil. And, he, and what did he do? <laughs> it's almost like a picture of this warrior. He comes and he kicks over the tables of the money changers, kicks over the ones selling doves, and he shouts out, zeal for my father's house will consume me. I say, wow. That's another side of Jesus we don't often talk about, do we? Martin Lloyd-Jones, author, writer, talks a lot about revival. Says, and throughout the story of the church, throughout the centuries, he has been doing the same thing. The church has been dying, and she seems to be finished. Suddenly he appears, and his enemies are scattered, and the church is revived. God, I say, come, Holy Spirit. Come again, Lord. This is what revival means. Times are refreshing from the presence of the Lord. This is what revival means. That the church has another glimpse of the vision. The church sees him, and seeing him can smile and laugh at all her enemies. Revival is always his work. And revival is to see him in his glory, to turn to him, and to pray to him. Today, God wants to restore our spiritual vision. And there's one certain definite way that that can happen. And Isaiah tells us. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in him, shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift up their wings Say with me, I have wings. I have wings. They shall lift up their wings and mount up close to God, close to God as eagles mount up to the sun. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint or become tired. Listen, number one, PowerPoint. The closest thing, the closest thing that lives, the closest thing that, the thing that lives closest to heaven is the eagle. The eagle is a prophetic symbol to us. The eagle has special developed anatomy. We have, because we are born-again believers, we also have special spiritually developed anatomy within us as well. For example, eagles have extra large lungs. They have super large lungs. And their anatomy is set, when they breathe, there's a direct passage flow of oxygen directly into their lungs. So they have this ability to, to breathe in huge amounts of oxygen. We too, we've been given, we have spiritual lungs. 
we can literally breathe in the presence of God into our we are we can breathe in Holy Spirit presence. Amen? Amen. The Bible says you can be filled. Your lungs are to be filled with Holy Spirit's presence and power. Gives a staying power. Another thing about eagles, especially modified hemoglobin that helps the oxygen oxygen to adhere to their blood. We have we have special blood. We've got the blood of Jesus running through our spiritual veins. His blood runs through us. Amen? Second point. Eagles love turbulent winds. When adversity comes, you know why they love it? Because they can spread their wings and fly and soar in the heavenlies closer and closer to God. Do you say that eagles can fly as high as 20,000 feet above the circle of the earth. Nothing can, ex- can, nothing can exist up there that high like the eagle can. We have wings. Prayer, our prayer adversity causes us to open our wings of prayer. And when we open our wings of prayer, We're praying to God, and we're saying, God, I need to get close to you. Prayer lifts us, like the scripture says, can lift us close to God. Did you also know that the eagle has incredible eyes, but actually has two sets of eyelids? I'm sorry, it has has two eyelids. There is an upper one, and there's a lower eyelid. And the lower one is the bigger one. So every time the eagle blinks, you know how he blinks? He blinks upward. He blinks upward. There's always a glimpse of an upward. That's significant. We too, we have two eyes. We have a set of eyes. We know we have these eyes to see, but we also have another. We have another. We have other eyes besides that. And without these other eyes open, we can't see him like we were called to see him. And we can't see the spiritual warfare that's happening around us. God wants us to open our eyes. And that's why Paul prays in Ephesians 1, verse 17 to 19. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart Another verse, another version say, the eyes of your understanding. Another version says, the eyes of your spirit may be enlightened, may be open, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. you we have a glorious calling and purpose on this earth, earth, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. We have a way of life that God, you know, God has ordained a certain way of life for us to live here, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. He's given us power to live this life. <clears throat> we need these spiritual eyes open in order to see the spirit realm. Amen? That's why we call to be spirit-filled believers. Right? Somebody, we were talking to Yosef Aiden, said, without the Holy Spirit, you know what, what you are? Nothing but, you, you're nothing but religious. Without Holy Spirit, you become nothing but religious. Isn't that what Jesus said? You, through the Holy Spirit, 
to the religious people, you always resist the Holy Spirit. Such a resistance today in so many churches against Holy Spirit. Don't talk about him. Don't talk about tongues. Oh, no. No, no. Same thing. We need Holy Spirit. We need the Spirit's power. Jesus told the disciples, don't you do a thing. Don't do anything. Shut your mouth. You just wait in that room until I fill you with power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you're a believer. You have Holy Spirit in you. But now you need power of Holy Spirit. And the evidence of that is, you know what it is? Speaking in tongues. Other, there's other evidences. I was, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I was, I, before I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I was the most shy, withdrawn, fearful person I knew. When I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I didn't speak in tongues right away. But you know what? I got a boldness that was supernatural. I didn't, I was afraid. My wife, we'd, remember we'd come to church, we'd have service. I'd run out the door because I was afraid of people. And Karen's left there, and I'm honking on the horn. Get in the car. Get in the car. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. She's waiting for me. I'm, I'm, she's getting me out of the church. I became a different person. Holy Spirit, he's the transforming agent in your life. Don't be afraid of Holy Spirit. You're, being afraid of Holy Spirit is being afraid of Jesus. You know who Jesus is? Man, you've got to, anyway, <clears throat> off the track. I'll never finish here. <laughs> we need him, and we need these spiritual eyes to see. Half the problem with the church today, they don't even see what's happening. And if you don't see what's happening, you're in danger. God doesn't bless ignorance, right? He, he says, question, look, look, he, you know, have wisdom. Of insight, revelation. Holy Spirit gives us all to it. The Bible tells us to do that. We need these eyes open. In 2 Kings chapter 6 is the story. It's a great story about Elisha and his servant Gehazi. And uh, they were prophets to the king of Judah. And uh, every time the king of, uh, of the Aramean king would have make these plans, uh, he'd be, you know, the Holy Spirit would speak to the prophet um, Elisha and would tell the, and Elisha would tell the king of Judah, hey, you know, King Aram is up to this. They're wicked people. So here's what, this is what he's up to. So every time the king of the Arameans tried, had plans, well, and they were foiled because the prophet would always know for you from God. Anyway, uh, so the king of Aramis said, we've got to get this guy. We've got to get rid of this guy, this prophet. You know? And so he sent an entire army, surrounded, and surrounded the prophet and his servant. The, and and the, the servant got up early in the morning. He went outside. And he was kind of bleary-eyed and looked. And all of a sudden, around the entire city, horses and chariots of the enemy. He was terrified. He ran to his master. <laughs> You know, we're surrounded by the enemy. We're, we're done. And then verse 7, 6, uh, second, second Kings 6, verse 17 says, And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills 
full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Wow. God restores our spiritual vision when we reach out to him in prayer. When we seek him with all our heart, we seek him like we've never sought him before. Earnestly, fervently seek him like a life dependent upon it. Amen? You know, the Bible says those who wait upon the Lord. He's not talking about passive indifference. Amen? Amen. Let's get over our passive indifference. And let's, let's move forward. Let's be aggressively... Anyway. When we... <clears throat> we know when we pray uh, the Lord's Prayer, we say, uh, Our Father who art in heaven. Well, that's a good pray, prayer to pray. Because He is our Father in heaven. And He lives in a realm of power far above the earth. But there's this distance... It's enormous distance between heaven and earth, isn't there? So someone says, well, you know, um, just bring your request to God. I mean, he already knows what it is anyway. So just simply pray it, and it will be done. But most times, it's not done. See, we need to understand this whole thing of prayer. We need to understand first that God is not man's divine waiter in the sky. You know, and we most often, and it's me too. It's like we're praying. What we're trying to when we pray, we're trying to get God down from heaven to earth. When God is trying to get us up in the heavens into the spiritual realm, right? Did we see that? This man here. The next slide. There we go. I don't know if you've ever. If you, if you know this guy, if you've heard about him, this is Steve Hill. And he passed away in 2014. We have the privilege, um, Karen and I, to, um, to be in a ministry in, in Pensacola, Florida. He was the evangelist that, that God used to literally to lead thousands of people to Christ and salvations in, in Pensacola, and that was in the two, 2000, in, in the year, in that decade, right? I don't know if anybody has gone there, but, but I remember when Steve Hill preached, and the place was packed, is the Assemblies of God building, I think it held like, I don't know how many, a couple thousand people, you could hear a pin drop. The anointing and, and, the, and the flow from this guy was incredible, and you could hear a pin drop. And when he gave the altar call for salvation or repentance, literally, it's true. People literally leapt over the pews in order to get before him to repent and get their heart right with God. Such an incredible flow and anointing. But it's written about Steve Hill. This, these words, you don't know, you don't realize where we had, where we had to go, where he had to go, and how far he had to go to get that anointing. Hours spent before God, seeking God before every meeting. Leonard Ravenhill said the child on earth has got to go to heaven if he is ever going to get his prayers answered. Every single one of us, your child of God, we have a privilege. 
to connect with God in prayer. How's our time doing? You got time for a quick story? Okay, you know, I've told the story before, so this is familiar to, to us, but um, this is a page of, this is a picture of this. This is one of the first um, planes, early days of aviation. This is a story of a, this guy. His name is Graham Page. His name is Graham Page, and he was one of the first aviators. And he entered into a race across the Sahara Desert. And it was like a 100-mile race. But the problem with these planes, they couldn't go very far. So but these, you have these camps, these pit stops. So about every 10 miles, they had to stop and to refuel these planes. And these are really light planes. They're made of like, almost like balsa wood, and they were glued together with what they call milk glue. So that was the glue. And so one time, he, Page landed his plane down to refuel, and, then he, and he, then he took the plane up again, and then all of a sudden, he knew something was wrong. And out of the corner of his eyes, he saw this desert rat. And it was chewing. It was gnawing on the superstructure of his plane. And he said, man, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> you know, all this time, you know, I got, I, I got to land. I got to finish. I got to get out of the race. But then just as he was going to do that, he just remembered this memory came back to him, and he was a kid in the back of their parents' station wagon, and they were traveling up the mountain roads of Colorado. And he saw this sign, this weird sign as a kid. He says, and it said this, rats do not live, no rats beyond this elevation. No rats beyond this elevation. He said, that's it. So he took it up. He took his plane up higher, higher into the rare air where only the sons of God can live. And soon the rats st stopped chewing, and Page won the race. To reach into the heavenlies is to get above the earthly things, and to get into that place where their influence cannot influence me and reach me. I must get into his presence. Amen? And this is the challenge. This is the challenge that God puts us before us today on your PowerPoint. Your prayer closet is the portal to the presence of God. It's the portal to the presence of God. Two things. You are called to pray in the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit helps us to pray. We need help. I can pray only so much and then I'm falling asleep. I'm thinking, I don't know, how do you pray, right? I'm... <clears throat> do you feel that? Do you get to that place? Romans 8. 26 and 27 says, And in a similar way, Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best things to ask for. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super, I love that, those, that, that, those words, super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with the emotional size too deep for words. Talk about tongues. We are called to pray with the help of the Holy Spirit, or you can only pray so much so far. Right? You're, much, you're, you're, you're more dynamic in your prayers when you use Holy Spirit's help. Secondly, you are called to pray through to the heavenlies through to the heavenlies. You need to persevere. 
Why do you need to pray through to the heavenlies? Because the spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare can often hinder our prayers. Daniel, I know I'm going a little bit over time here. Daniel, the picture of Daniel is a really good picture of prayer. In the book of Daniel, Daniel had this incredible revelation from, from God. He had this, rev, this, 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 uh, this vision, but he didn't know. It's, it's under, he, had, he was lacking spiritual understanding. So he got on his knees to pray. So here's the thing. Daniel he started to pray, but he didn't get any revelation or any response, answer back from God for 21 days. So here's the thing about Daniel. He didn't stop. He just kept on praying. For 21 days, he fasted and prayed before he got the answer. And while he was doing this, Daniel was totally unaware of what was going on in the spiritual world around him until God revealed it to him by sending a messenger, an angel, who told him what was happening. Daniel 10, verse 12. says, Then he said to me, Daniel said, This is the, the angel said to me, Do not fear, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart, listen, this is really good. From the, for from the first day, from the first day you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. I heard you right away. And I have come because of your words. But the prince of the king of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes and archangel, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. But he says, but now I have come to give you the understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to, to many days yet to come. So here's what was happening while Daniel was praying. First of all, this angelic being who brought Daniel this message from God had been in a powerful battle, a fight with the prince of Persia. The prince of Persia, we know, scholars will tell you, that's the devil himself, Satan himself. He couldn't win the battle himself. So God dispatched one of the mightiest, is the mightiest warring angel ever is Michael. The Michael the archangel was sent, and they fought together, and together they prevailed over Satan himself. But they had to do it for 21 days before Daniel could get his answer. Daniel is an example to you and I that we should pray and never give up. Amen? So here's what we learned from this lesson really, really quickly. Number one, God immediately hears our prayers and he dispatches the answer. Second thing, but spiritual forces, spiritual beings will attempt to, attempt to block the prayers, the answered prayers. But number three, it is possible for us to prevail in prayer if we will not give up, but fast and pray until the answer comes. Do you see that in there? Jesus said to us, Jesus said, same thing. He said to pray, we should pray and never give up. Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask and the gift is yours. Seek and you'll discover. Knock and the door will be open for you. For every persistent one will get what he asks for. Every persistent seeker will discover what he longs for. And everyone who knocks persistently will one day find an open door. 
is there a door that needs to open in your life? Is there an opportunity, a door of opportunity that you're asking God for? Is there, you know, something that needs to happen, a breakthrough for you to go forward in your life? Listen to the words of Jesus. Everyone who knocks persistently will one day find an open door. 530 times in the Bible, God says, pray, prayer, praying. Isaiah 64, verse 4. The prophet Isaiah says, Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has ever seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Wow. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 29, verse 18, Without vision, my people perish. So, I'll repeat it again. There is no greater vision for you and I than to behold Him. But God also wants us to give us vision for our our families, for our children, for our careers, if we're hitting dead end for something new, for our ministries, for our mission, for every area of our life, God wants to give us vision. Amen? For every area, God wants to give you spiritual goals and vision, markers that you can believe by faith for him as the people of God. And when you see, when people in this world see your visions being fulfilled, they will realize God truly is the almighty God. Without vision, we go nowhere. Nowhere. Amen? Can you receive this? If you receive this, say amen. 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 Bow your heads. I'm going to pray for you. Pray for us. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we're hearing the call today. We're hearing the call. We were created. We were created to pray. You're calling us to be watchmen on the walls, to be intercessors. I believe right now, Holy Spirit is calling out intercessors, intercessors, intercessor. You're an intercessor, calling us to begin to pray, 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 pray for our nation. Wow, look what's happening in our nation. Look what's happening with, with all the evil things that happen. Look at the fires. Look at the lives that are being destroyed. Look what's happening. God says it's time to rise and pray. Make intercession. Intercede for your families. Intercede for your fit, city. Intercede for your school. Intercede against all the wickedness and the evil that's happening. Pray, pray. Our prayers are powerful. It's time to be watchmen on the walls. Pray for the welfare of your children. Pray for the generation. You're, you're praying now for the generations to come. I'm praying now so that my kids, my, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren have a, 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 a semblance of a good life here on this earth that God created. Amen? Let's pray. We're called to pray. You've given us through your son. He's given us, you, Father, you've given us through your son access to the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You said, and you, Father, you said that the righteous, the prayers of a righteous man or a white, just one righteous person is powerful and effective before you. And you said that you will hear and you will respond to our heart 
heartfelt prayers. Thank you for this divine privilege that we have to come before you into the holy place and to pray one-on-one with you. Thank you, Father. And Father God, make us, make us into a house of prayer for all nations, making disciples of all nations. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen and amen. Keep your heads bowed for just another minute or so. I want to say to me, today you may be here and you may not really know God. But listen, God knows you. And God knows that you need to make a decision to come to Him. God wants you to make a life-changing decision that you will never regret, and that is to accept His gift of love to you. Eternal life, salvation, and a brand new life here on earth. He'll make into a brand new person. And you can receive all that just by asking, but by sincerely asking Him and saying this prayer. So if that's you, bow your heads, close your eyes, repeat after me. Father God, Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for going to the cross, shedding your blood to pay for my sins. Please forgive me for every sin I have committed. And today, Lord, I open my heart, I surrender to you, and I invite you in to my life to take over my life. Take over and be Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name I ask and pray. Amen and amen. Now, keep your eyes closed, heads bowed. If you said that prayer for the very first time, you're sitting here, I want you to raise your hand and just wave it. Just wave it. If you're here, you receive Christ, wave your hand. Raise it, wave your hand. If you said that prayer, I want you to go back to the back of the room. It's called the Connections Kiosk. We have a next step. We have a gift for you. We have a next step for what you do with your life now. Somebody's going to tell you. It's just the very beginning. It's just a decision. You said that online, press that hand at the bottom of the screen. We'll direct you to someone you could talk to as well. Amen? Amen? Greatest gift of life, eternal life. Relationship with Jesus. Heaven. He's got everything. A brand new... Man, I just want to boast about Jesus because I love him so much. Don't you love him for what he's done for you? Wow. Enter into that love. Yeah. Receive all that he has for you. Everything he tells you that he has for you, you know, believe it for yourself. Not just for the other person. Not for the next generation, just for you. God wants to do something with every person sitting here in in your generation. Amen? Fill you afresh. Make you a follower of Jesus. A herald of the gospel. Amen. Amen.